Hi, this is Layla. <sighs> I just took a little hint. And this is Leah. <laughs> Welcome to Breast Cancer Unleashed. Everything you need to know about breast cancer, but are too embarrassed to ask. Where we unleash about ridiculous, hard to share subjects with top experts. Where nothing is out of bounds and every topic is appropriate. Did you smoke? Did you vape on with your cannabis pen. vapor? <laughs> oh, no, that's a ballpoint pen. Okay. <laughs> but I can pretend for right now. This is considered work. I cannot wait until we share this with everyone. We have Janice Bissix joining us today, a certified cannabis practitioner who is here to break down all the myths and share with us, how do we go about this if we want to incorporate cannabis into our cancer journey? She's really amazing. She had a personal journey with this. And, you know, one thing that I really like about her is that she admittedly was, you know, anti, well, I don't want to say anti, yeah. but, but had a misconception and, and did not, you know, really did not get into this whole world of cannabis and using it for medicinal purposes until she had a very personal experience and it completely changed her entire life. And when you hear some of this interview, it like it can make you angry, some of this stuff that she says and how things are so controlled by, you know, greed and, and different stuff like that. But that is part of this interview, which again, can really make you angry. But at the same time, she's really dispelling a lot of really great information about how to incorporate CBD cannabis, medical marijuana into your treatment plan. Of course, not everybody can take it, but she's a freaking rock star. She canceled her pickleball today to be with us. You know, and this for me, I remember I was frustrated because at one point during my journey, I asked my medical professional what their thoughts were, or at least I just said, hey, I'm going to explore this. Could you help guide me or provide me any information? And their answer was no, unfortunately they couldn't. And I was just frustrated because it's like, well, now what? I mean, I'm experiencing extreme nausea, just the nausea, the throwing up. And I just wanted something to help take care of that. So I was forced to kind of go about my own research and find other means to do that. So that is why one of the top reasons why we wanted to bring this to you guys. Of course, we're not medical professionals, but this is just another viewpoint and perspective that can maybe help guide you in case you're not getting certain guidance from your own personal care team. She can help walk you through what are we talking about? What is CBD? What is THC? How do I differentiate the two? What dosage? Which form? Which acts faster? Which may be a little bit more of delayed response, but maybe acts longer. And then once you have all this information and knowledge, now what do you do? How do you find out if your state sells it legally or is it just medically it'll sell it? And how do you go about getting it? So let's take it over the Janice. This is amazing. So this is a conversation that Leah and I have been talking about having literally since day one of talking about putting this podcast together. We're talking about medical marijuana. We're talking about CBD. We're talking about cannabis. And today uh, we have Janice Newell Bissix on our show, and she is a holistic cannabis practitioner, a registered dietitian nutritionist, and the author of five cookbooks or five books, really, including... A Simple Guide to CBD, Fact, Fiction, and a Path Forward, Simple Guide to Cannabis Gardening from Seed to Weed and Color, and Eat the Alphabet, Healthy Eating from A to Z. And Janice continues to write for a number of different magazines, but we are just incredibly excited to have her on as an expert, really talking about the convoluted and 
it's very confusing, right? With all of the the cannabis and medical marijuana and CBD and THC and all of the things, Janice, we're just so excited to have you here to help clear up and educate our listeners on the do's and don'ts of anything related to cannabis and medical marijuana for breast cancer patients and even, you know, chronic illness and cancer and, and other cancer patients as well. So thank you so much for being here with us. It's great to be with you today. From seed to weed. I love that. That's hilarious. (laughs) Well, and yeah, like Layla said, this is so important to us and our listeners because you want to learn from someone like you who is certified, who has gone through the education and the training and knows what they're talking about, especially with your background as a a dietitian. You go on Google, you're going to find all kinds of mixed reviews. And it's hard to, to make your way through the weeds of what's what and what's true and accurate. And then when you go and you ask your medical oncologist, they're not allowed to talk, not allowed. I shouldn't say that. They they can't talk about some of these things. Then you're like, now what the hell do I do? So this is where the gloves come off. And we want you to dig in and help educate us from seed to weed, not actually growing it. You'll have to buy your book to figure that one out. <laughs> right. But how do we navigate through all this? So first I'd like to start, share a little bit about your background, because I think that it really tells us a solid picture of who you are and how you can provide education with cannabis. So I was a registered dietitian. I still am. I, as you mentioned, I wrote a bunch of cookbooks and I have food podcast and a radio, you know, all, all the rest, food blog and all the rest. And then six years ago, my father had some very severe pain and they gave him, of course, the typical opioids. He hated taking them. They made him groggy and so severely constipated that it required a three-day hospital stay. Don't need to go into details there. So at the end of this hospital stay, I said to his doctor, isn't there anything else we can do for his pain? And I said, what about medical marijuana? Because it had just become legal in Massachusetts. And I knew nothing about the medical use of cannabis. I mean, I used to use air quotes when I said, haha, medical marijuana. Literally, I bought into the stigma, grew up in the just say no generation. So when his doctor said, I think that's a great idea. I thought, oh my gosh, now I need to do some research. And I did. And the more I read, the more I thought, are you kidding me? This has been used medicinally for thousands of years. It's only been illegal for 80 years, not because of science or medical reasons. It was strictly politics, greed, and racism, frankly, that made this plant illegal. So I did my research. And again, I got my dad certified, took him to the dispensary. We got him a vape pen, came home. He took a couple of puffs. We had lunch with my mom and he said, I'm going to go take a nap. And he, and he stood up and he said, wow. And I said, are you okay? Uh, you know, he said, I'm not in pain. I was dumbfounded. And on that day, I left my business of 15 years and I went back to school to learn more and become a holistic cannabis practitioner so that I could help other people. And that's all I have done for six years. And honestly, it's the most rewarding work I've ever done. Especially to see that the effects with your father. How fantastic. Yes. yes. That's incredible. I bet you he was excited too, huh? Mm-hmm. And he was hesitant. Yeah. I was hesitant. We were both, you know, we were all like, yeah, I don't of course. know, you know, because I, I bought into, again, it, it's a gateway drug. It's, you know, there's no medical value. And there is so much research. People say, oh, there's not enough research. Yes, we need more research. There is a ton of research. There are many studies, preclinical studies, clinical studies all over the world that show the efficacy of cannabis for many, many conditions. 
Yeah. And, and the fact that it is true, it has been used for thousands of years, but for whatever reason, yes, it has that stigma. Right. Yeah. So even from aches and pains to, I know like we looked into it for my father for Parkinson's, this is absolutely, it's truly amazing. So if we dive in a little bit deeper to cancer, I know there's a lot of myths out there. Some people, I remember I asked a, a close family member, what if you ever got cancer? He's, I'm not doing chemo. I'm not, ah, I'll just take weed and blah, 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 I can help cure it. I'm like, ah, okay. So how does cannabis fit into the whole picture of curing cancer and what it can do for cancer? Well, there are three ways to use cannabis when you have cancer. One is to manage the symptoms of the treatment, right? The chemo-induced nausea and vomiting, the pain, the insomnia. These are all conditions that cannabis works really well for. So it can be used in that way. It can be used along with other treatments. So it can help make your, your chemo even more efficacious, right? It can pump up the efficacy of of cancer treatments. And then the third would be to actually help to decrease the tumor growth. Cannabinoids in the plant have anti-tumor properties. That's been shown in a lot of studies. It is not a cure for cancer. It is absolutely not. You might hear that. And there may be some people who literally did just use cannabis and their cancer went away. I 100% do not recommend that people forgo treatment and just stick with cannabis. It can be a really helpful adjunct to therapy, though. And there not only are there anti-tumor properties, it can uh, increase cancer cell death. It can decrease the metastasis of cancer cells. So there is a lot of potential for it to help with many cancers for many people. Mm-hmm. So there are caveats there. For example, if you're undergoing immunotherapy, may not be the best thing because cannabis and the cannabinoids in the cannabis plant actually tamp down on our immune system, which is a really good thing and is why cannabis can be so helpful for autoimmune diseases right? When our immune system goes into overdrive when it really shouldn't. So for lupus and RA and all a host of other conditions. So that's a good thing usually. But if you're trying, if you're doing immunotherapy to really pump up your immune system and fighting cancer in that way, and you're taking cannabis that could tamp down, we're not sure yet. But for right now, I would say that those people who are on immunotherapy might not want to do cannabinoid therapy. I never knew that. I never would have thought. So often, and this is something that we were talking about earlier today, it's when you're on treatment, you've got to really take steps to just double check with the experts, right? Like this medication that you're taking, this particular type of chemotherapy. I mean, it, it is. there's just so many different ways of treating things. We always talk about mm-hmm. how individualized each person is. I'm not on any immunotherapy, but I'm on tamoxifen. Leo's on tamoxifen. So what we can take and cannot take is going to be very different from somebody else who's popping a different kind of pill. They're all pills. Yes, yes. They're all treatments, but they're all very different. Right. There is the potential for cannabinoids, THC, and CBD. Should I give you a little quick 101? Yes, just break down that whole medical marijuana umbrella because- you know, CBD, oh my God, like, uh, I think my grandmother sells it. Everyone sells it. It's like, what do you, what do you buy? What do you use and what form? So if you can kind of break that down for us of like, what are the different types? 
what and so forth, the dosage, the forms, the interactions, just break all that down for us from THC to CBD to everything. When you think of that medical marijuana umbrella. So you have a cannabis plant and marijuana, I don't use that term anymore because it's actually, it's a slang term that has racist roots. So I only say cannabis, even though across the country, there are medical marijuana laws. So you have the cannabis plant and a hemp plant, very, very similar, except that a hemp plant has almost no THC. THC is the cannabinoid. It can make you high. It can get you stoned. It doesn't mean it's a bad cannabinoid. It's good in the proper dosage. It's much like wine. If you have a glass of wine with dinner, usually not a bad thing for most people. If you have a bottle or two with dinner, you're going to become impaired. It's the same thing with THC. In small doses, perfectly medicinal, can help with pain, anxiety, insomnia. If you use too much, it's intoxicating. And it can impair your judgment, and it can impair your, can make you dizzy. So that's one thing. THC is not a bad cannabinoid. So in the plant, we have over a hundred of these cannabinoids. We all know about THC and CBD. There are lots more. It also has, the plant also has what's called terpenes. And these terpenes have a lot of medicinal value. One of the terpenes is called linalool. And lavender contains, I use lavender oil on my wrist when I go to bed. It helps me sleep. So lavender has linalool, which is calming. Cannabis has linalool, which is calming. So there's a lot of crossover with plant medicine. People take things like echinacea and other things. Well, a lot of those terpenes, there's this crossover between the plants, which is what gives the plant the extra medicinal value. And the thing to remember is that the whole plant is the way to go. You can buy a pharmaceutical THC. And if you're in the hospital, that's what they're going to recommend. They're going to recommend Marinol or Dronabinol, which is a synthetic THC molecule. You're getting one molecule as opposed to the plant. The plant is so much better for you because of all the other compounds in the plant that work synergistically. So I always recommend plant medicine, the whole plant. So CBD is another cannabinoid in the plant, right? A lot of great benefits. It's great for anxiety for a lot of people. It can help with sleep. It can be helpful for pain. It has um, anti-seizure properties, antibacterial properties. CBD is great. The FDA did a study and found that 70% of the CBD products on the market are mislabeled. Because CBD, it's expensive, right? It's expensive to grow a plant, to harvest it, to dry it, to cure it, to extract it, and then make a product. So we had some bad players come in and say, hey, I'm going to put some olive oil in a bottle, sell it as CBD oil, and charge 100 bucks." So when I first started doing this, I was looking for a good product because I knew there was a lot of bad stuff out there. So I found this company in Colorado, organically grown, made good, clean products. So I said, okay, good. I'm going to send my people to buy their products. And I called them and said, how do we do this? And they said, oh, we don't sell retail. We only sell wholesale. You need to buy it and resell it. I'm a dietitian. I was like, I'm not, I'm not selling stuff on my website, but I did end up doing that just so that I could have control over the quality that my clients take. Because if, let's say they take uh, my peppermint tincture, for example, and after a month they say, eh, you know, it's, I'm not really getting the relief that I want. 
I know it's not because it's a bad quality product. So then maybe we'll try a soft gel or maybe we'll try the water soluble, or maybe I'll say, let's try the gummies. So it really helps me do my job when I know I have control over the quality of the products. There's so many different forms. Is it just personal preference or is it one better than the other? Or, you know, I mean, I certainly don't want to walk around smoking marijuana or smoking cannabis, smoking anything. I don't want to smoke anything. But anyway, right. um, you know, can we go into to just the different forms and yeah, some work better, faster. So it depends on a lot of things, personal preference, condition. For example, if you are undergoing chemotherapy and you're driving to have your chemo, there's anticipatory nausea, right? People start getting nauseous just driving oftentimes. So the best thing is inhalation. It's to vape it or to smoke it. And I know none of us want to smoke because it's, you know, we know it's bad for us. But I will tell you that long-term cannabis smokers have zero increased risk of lung cancer because the healthy benefits of the cannabis counteract any potential carcinogens. So that's been shown longitudinally, no increased risk in lung cancer. We still don't want to smoke. So what we can do is vape it either by buying a vape cartridge at a dispensary, and then you, you vape it. And it's, that's very effective. Or you can vape the flower. So instead of rolling a joint, you put some of the actual plant matter into a vaporizer and it burns at a much lower temperature so it doesn't give off those carcinogens. So that is what I would recommend if someone were going to be using this because inhalation takes effect in one to three minutes. If I give you a gummy, it could take 90 minutes. It could take two hours to see an effect. That's not going to help you when you're, when you're nauseous with chemo. So inhalation is the number one choice when someone is undergoing chemo and has nausea. So that, <laughs> that's fascinating. All right. So one to two minutes, it can start working, but mm-hmm. a gummy is longer because I know I've, I've, I've had mine's more recreational use, but sure. I've known that it takes a while for it to start yes. working. How long do gummies last? Six hours, maybe four to eight hours oh, is, is the okay. range. So it, okay. it does last longer because when you inhale, it only lasts a couple of hours. So uh, you have to do it more frequently. So if, mm-hmm. you, if you're a chronic pain patient, then I'm probably going to steer you toward a gummy or a soft gel because you're going to get longer relief. You don't want to be vaping, you know, every hour or two. I mean, some people do because, you know, the pain comes and goes. So I think having a vape pen and then having more of a a long-term and edible or a soft gel, but the soft gels also in the edibles, there's the higher risk of an interaction with other drugs because you're ingesting it and then you're absorbing it and it goes to the liver for processing. And if the CBD or the THC gets to the liver and the liver is already metabolizing another drug using that same enzyme, there could be an interaction. You either get too much or not enough of the medication. So that's why if people are on medications, I always check with my clients. I say, what are you taking? I check for an interaction. If there is a potential interaction, we just need to separate the doses. So someone might take their blood thinner, for example, in the morning. So Coumadin is a potential interaction. So if you take your Coumadin in the morning, take your CBD in the afternoon or your THC or whatever cannabinoid therapy. 
But inhaling, you have less of a risk of an interaction because you're inhaling it and it's going right into your blood without involving the liver. So there are benefits, another benefit, and also tinctures. So if someone says, I absolutely will not smoke and I will not vape. Okay. So I work with them. I have a water-soluble tincture that's CBD that's absorbed. with. Okay. A tincture, typically you put a tincture under your tongue. So for example, a peppermint tincture, you have an eyedropper, you put it under your tongue, you hold it there for a minute under your tongue. It's absorbed in about 15 minutes. But I have a water, and there are water-soluble tinctures out there that you put in a little bit of water and it's absorbed within minutes. So that's almost as fast acting as vaping. And some people make up a little water bottle. They'll put the drops in a little water bottle and then they go and they just take sips of it if they have pain or nausea or anxiety or whatever their condition is. I want to move away from or get clarification too. We're not talking about like necessarily, I'm going to go like buy a joint for my buddy on the street, right? Like we're, this no. is very different. It's very different. Right? So we're not encouraging people to like start smoking pot, right? <laughs> from, you know, call oh, up yeah, your start smoking pot, but it's <laughs> how you go about it. <laughs> Hey, right. bring me up. Bring I remember up. when I was first diagnosed, one of my best friends called me. He's like, I'm coming over. I have something for you. You said you're feeling sick. We sat at my kitchen table. We went, we vaped back and forth, back and forth. And I don't know, it didn't do anything for me. He started to feel happy and giggly. And I was just like, I mean, I was kind of giggly, but <laughs> so who knows what I was doing? Yeah. Everyone responds differently. And also the first time someone uses cannabis. So if you take an edible, someone gives you a THC edible to help you sleep at night and you take it and you say, I really did. It didn't help me at all. You have to wait till the second time, because the first time it's like just waking up those receptors. We have receptors from head to toe. We have receptors for cannabinoids, THC, CBD. You might think, why would we have receptors? in our body for a plant. I mean, that doesn't really make sense. The reason is that we make cannabinoids on our own. So we're, we're all sitting here making cannabinoids. Anandamide is one cannabinoid. It's called the bliss molecule. So we're making anandamide. We make it, it's broken down. If you make excessive amounts of anandamide, then you have a very low risk of anxiety. These are the people that are happy-go-lucky. Everything's great. They don't worry about things. Gosh, I wish I were them. Um, Where are those probably, people? Where are they, are right? They? <laughs> I think there are less now than there were a few years ago, but that's a whole different story. They're always smiling. Um, uh, yeah. So they might make a lot of anandamide. So if you don't make enough anandamide, your incidence of depression and anxiety is much higher. The runner's high that we always have said it's from endorphins. They've done study studies and they, they draw anandamide levels before, and then people go out for a run, they come back, their anandamide levels are through the roof after a run. So we think that might be what contributes to the runner's high. I've never even heard of that. An- anandamides? Anandamide. Wow. Yep. Well, Layla, so back to your question, you're saying, so we don't recommend finding Frank on the corner. Your, your, your dealer. Right. You do want to go to a dispensary. Now, that said, not everybody in this great country of ours has access to medical cannabis. There are 38 states that have medical cannabis programs. There are 12 states where you cannot access medical cannabis, which I, I can't even tell you how that angers me because I work with some clients in these states 
that are undergoing cancer treatment for breast cancer and in other things, and they cannot legally get a vape pen to help manage their symptoms. And in that case, they have to go through a friend of a friend who lives in a legal state and, you know, they have to have it sent to them illegally. And the fact that this plant medicine is federally illegal is such a problem. It inhibits research, right? When you said doctors, you know, can't really talk about it, that's not true. A lot of doctors choose not to talk about it because they don't know a lot about it. They weren't, and it's not their fault. They weren't trained in this. I wasn't trained in it. Of course, I was trained many years ago. But even doctors now, only 20% of med schools teach about medical cannabis. That to me is negligence. It's negligence because cannabis can be used for so many conditions without all those harsh side effects of the pharmaceuticals. So who do you think is working to keep this plant illegal? Who's putting millions of dollars in? 100%. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm with Definitely. you. Yeah. Right. And the so, fact that my dad's doctor said it was a good idea was really amazing. Had he not said that, I would still be doing food blogging and recipe development. And cooking with moms. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Enjoyed on the side. <laughs> <laughs> we have all this information and knowledge now. And our listeners, hopefully they're taking notes and, and they've got lots of information. They're ready to go. Now what? How do we find if your state is as you said, adult use, or some may say, I think recreational. Mm-hmm. How do you know if your state is medically available? Mm-hmm. What do we do with all this and how do we find it in a safe manner? Well, I guess you would go to Google and say medical cannabis okay. in your state, and then there'll be information telling you whether it's legal or not. And okay, if it, so that's where if we would it start. is legal, right, you find a, a dispensary near you, talk to people who've been, get a, find a good dispensary. And they do vary. I mean, I've I've been to dispensaries. I go in and I ask pretty basic questions that I know the answer to, and the information I'm given is not necessarily on point. So you need to find somebody who knows about this. There aren't a ton of people, but if you Google, there are people who have training in this. Most doctors do not. So if you ask a doctor about this, they're either going to say, oh, I don't think that's a good idea, which is horrible answer, which is what my friend's doctor said about her 85-year-old mother with pain. Oh, I don't think that's a good idea. Really? For CBD? This was for CBD. Non-intoxicating in any way. And he said, it's not a good idea. You know, that's, again, to me, that's negligence. Because if someone can be helped using CBD to help manage their pain and their anxiety and some of these other conditions, it's sort of a no-brainer to me to give it a try. So from what you shared, we have 21 states that have what's called legal adult use recreational. And that simply means in those states, you can walk in, you don't need a medical marijuana card. You don't need to show medical background. You can just walk in and purchase Yes, at a professional dispensary, Yes, certified dispensary. Yes. Then the other states, 38, they're legal medical states. Mm -hmm. So there you would need, so like I live in Ohio, we are a medical state. I'm close to Michigan. I can, Michigan is a legal adult use. So I could just drive to Michigan, walk in anywhere free and you know, buy whatever I'd like. But in Ohio, you need a medical marijuana license. Yes. Or certificate. Yes. Yeah. You, you need to be okay. certified in Ohio and then you can go in. The advantage of, of going the medical route in many states, in Massachusetts, if I have a medical card and I go in to buy cannabis, I don't pay the 20% sales tax. 
Whereas if I go into the adult oh, I didn't use, know that. Yeah, adult use dispensary, they add on 20%. Oh, that's so interesting. That might okay. be true. And if you do drive to Michigan and, and buy cannabis and drive it back, that is illegal to do. People, oh. everyone, everyone does it. I'm just, I'm just telling you, it is, <laughs> it's illegal to, to bring cannabis across state lines, which again, ridiculous law, but that is, that is, you know, the letter of the law. I don't think they're looking for people who are going and buying small amounts. They might be looking for trucks of, of, of cannabis crossing. Yeah. 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 So, I'm, so if I'm going to jump on a plane and go through TSA, I can't bring some of my gummies like a Delta eight or a Delta nine to go. Cause I can't sleep at a hotel room. Delta eight. I would I, I, I can't it? even get into detail, but Delta 8 is really, there are issues with many, many Delta 8 products on the market. It's a synthetically derived uh, form of THC that's purportedly less intoxicating. Some people have found relief with it, but th- so many of the products, I was just on a webinar last week, they analyzed a bunch of Delta 8 products and there's a lot of contaminants. So I, oh, wow. I am not a fan of Delta 8. If people want less intoxication, just have a small amount of Delta 9. That's the natural form of THC. I would definitely stick with that and combine it with CBD. I almost mm-hmm. always have people combine the, the uh, THC with CBD because you can, if you take five milligrams of THC, that might be impairing for some people, for newbies. It would, it's impairing for me. I don't really use cannabis very much. Sometimes to sleep, I'll take a two and a half. I, I cut my gummies in half because I'm just kind of a wimp. Mm-hmm. And I'll take two and a half milligrams. If I took five, I would probably be a little bit, just a little fuzzy. So if I take CBD with it, the CBD tamps down on the psychoactivity a little bit. So you can take more medicinally if you take CBD and plus they just work well together. They play well together. They each have, they each bring a lot to the table and together they're even more powerful. No clue about Delta eight, but then about like girl, Delta nine is okay. Right. Yeah. No, Delta, the Delta eight, nine, right. Delta, it, it Delta really nine helps is fine. Me sleep. Yeah. It helps me sleep the, through these the eight or the nine. Flashes. See, this the is, nine. okay. So this is what concerns me. So yes, we have this podcast and people are learning a lot, but then it's like, when you go to the dispensary, how do you know? I have not physically walked into one, but for what I've been told, like you walk in and it's just like walls and walls. It's there's the whole menu. You go into the mm-hmm. website and there's menus and menus. Loom offers this move brand, this brand. Oh my gosh. How do you, do you just say to the pharmacist, hi, I have pain. I have back pain. Good luck finding a pharmacist. How do you know what to ask for or whatever, whoever it is? I think there's there's one state, one or two states actually require a pharmacist in dispensaries, but most of them do not. Mostly you're going to get a bud tender who has experience with cannabis. <laughs> bud tender. You know, and, 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 and I don't want to say that they're, they're all, some of them are very knowledgeable and can really, really be helpful, but it's sure. not the case with all of them. So you have to do your research. You need to talk to someone who knows what they're, what they're doing. Uh, you can go on leafly.com and they list the different cultivars. They call them strains and dispensaries. The technical correct term is cultivar. And you might say, you might go in and say, for example, if you have ADHD, Pinene is a terpene that might be good for you. Okay, that's very good for focus. If you have anxiety, you want linalool. If you want sleep, you want myrcene. 
So these are the terpenes that are particularly good for different conditions. So if you walk into a dispensary and you've done your homework and you say, you know, I'd like a cultivar or, you know, a gummy with, I'd like it to have some mercine in it because that's good for sleep or linalool. You know, you can do that. Beta-caryophylline is another terpene that's good for pain. So you got to do a little bit of research before you go in, um, just so that uh, you get a little a little better guidance, I would think. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But then also listeners can access, they can have access to you. I mean, you do counseling mm-hmm. virtually. Sure. Yes, I know absolutely. you're located in Boston, but and we'll share your information in the podcast, or mm-hmm. if you want to share it here, just how they can contact you. Well, my website is Janibus Wellness. It's cannabis with a J, janibuswellness.com. And actually, I have, I have a resource page with over 200 studies, research studies. So if you have anxiety, just look, I've got probably 20 references for anxiety, cancer, another 20 references. So you can actually go to PubMed and read studies, studies that showed that, well, 48, 42% of people with breast cancer actually use medical cannabis. That's one, mm-hmm. one thing that I, that I found in my research. In 2017, the National Academies came out and said that cannabinoids are effective for nausea and vomiting. I mean, it, it was the 1970s when we first found out that THC can be effective for nausea and vomiting. New England Journal of Medicine in 1975 came out and said cannabis should be used for, for chemo-induced nausea and vomiting in 1975. So why are doctors right now, why is there any oncologist in this country not talking about cannabis? It's sick. I I don't understand it. And when they say, oh, because it's federally illegal, I I don't buy that. I don't buy that. It's because they don't know about it. But honestly, if you're an oncologist, do some research. Well, I think that was my next question. So let's say we have an oncologist listening. Let's say we have a, a nurse practitioner, yes. a physician assistant, anyone mm-hmm. listening. What would you recommend? Because I know you had shared your tie to John Patrick University. And yes, there is you have a there is a master's in integrative and functional medicine with a mm-hmm. concentration in cannabinoid medicine, medical science. Yes. And you teach a course here. I do. I don't know if I just I answered do. the question I was just gonna ask you, but <laughs> what can what and can I physicians do? I do have, I have physicians, I have nurses, I have nurse practitioners, I have dietitians and social workers in my program because people realized that they were trained more uh, clinically, right? Very, very uh, conservatively, you know, clinical and pharma, pharmacological, whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, now, you know, things are changing. We're, we're trying to be more in the integrative and functional medicine realm because we realize that there's a lot more to it than, okay, this is your condition. This is your medication. No, you have to look at the whole person. You have to look at lifestyle. You can look at plant medicine, herbal medicine. So this is what this is what we teach. It's the only program in the country, actually, where you can get a master's in integrative and functional medicine. I teach cannabis therapy. I have pharmacists who teach in my program, doctors who teach in my program, nurses. It's amazing. And when they come into the program, they'll, they'll sort of like I was five, six years ago. What? Yeah. I didn't know this. I didn't know that this actually was medicinal. So it's, it's, I mean, I just find it, the whole, the whole field is so fascinating and it's ever evolving, right? New, new research all the time is coming out. I do have one last question um, that I think that is really important. If we call all of this down, right? Like 
Is there anyone, we talked about immunotherapy. Is there anyone else who should maybe just really stay away from any sort of CBD or THC, any sort of cannabis in general, other than people that are on immunotherapy? You know, I can't say absolutely there's nobody else, but uh, most people can use cannabinoid therapy effectively. Even if you take a drug that there's a potential interaction, we can work around that. There aren't really that many people. And someone, I've had people say, well, I have a history of addiction, which is a valid concern, right? Cannabis is not physically addictive. Some people do become dependent on it, which you could argue that if it manages your pain and your anxiety and you're dependent on it, well, it's, it's helping you. Cannabis use disorder occurs in, you know, maybe eight to 10% of very heavy long-term users, but that's something that affects your relationships and your behavior. This is not a medical patient who has a high dose of cannabis to manage their disease. That's not cannabis use disorder. So I would say the majority of people, and it's also can be very helpful for people trying to get off opioids. CBD in particular can help manage the cravings when you're getting off of opioids. I mean, nobody wants to be addicted to opioids, and it is such a problem in this country. What we lose, so many, I think someone every 18 minutes dies of an opioid overdose. If you can substitute part of that opioid dose with some cannabis to get pain relief and anxiety relief, States that have medical cannabis programs see a 25 to 30 percent decrease in opioid overdoses. I, huge. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's so significant. That's huge. It really is. I have That's to ask in your in your six, you said six years now of mm-hmm. of uh, with your counseling and certification. You've you've got to have had some crazy stories. People have come to you where they what they've asked is completely out of scope, out of bounds, or I don't know. Can you think of one to share with us? Boy, whether it's tied to cancer or not, I mean, just your field alone. Really, not terribly out of. I mean, I've got a lot of clients that I have a, a woman with uh, a benign liver tumor problem. Her tumors okay. grow back every year. She's been every every year or two. She has to have surgery to remove these tumors from her liver. This has been going on for two decades. And she started taking CBD. She came to me. I said, you know, there are some anti-tumor properties. I have no idea if it's going to help your condition, but there's no downside. And she found, A, it decreased her anxiety and her depression. It resolved her lifelong constipation. Interesting side effect, which has happened to many of my clients. She went to have her her ultrasound of her tumors, and she had no tumors that year. Wow. I don't know. That's an that's an N of one. That's one person. Right. Is it the CBD? She thinks it is. Could be. Could have affected it. Um, so you know, that's that's one person. Um, yeah, I've just I've worked with clients with breast cancer. I have a couple of clients right now in in Georgia where it is illegal. Cannabis is illegal in Georgia, mm-hmm. and so they've had to access their cannabis through friends in different states. Yeah, you know, which to mm-hmm. me is just, I mean, nothing like adding on to you're already going through enough. And to say that you can't access this legally in your state to me is really just horrible. Any last parting words or thoughts that, that you can think of too? We should have been vaping through this call. I know, right? <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> you know, 
closing thoughts, I think I would say don't let the stigma impact your decision whether to use cannabis or not. It will help the vast majority of people who have cancer, either to help with symptoms, maybe decrease the, 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 the tumors, whatever. It can be extraordinarily helpful. If your doctor doesn't know about it, find someone who does. And you might be surprised because doctors won't mention it in nurses. But if you say to them, hey, I'm thinking of using it, then some of them will say, well, I've heard good things. I can't. And they will say, I can't advise you. Yeah. 98% of them will say, I can't advise you, but I think it's worth looking into. And if any doctor says, I don't think it's a good idea, hmm, I would get a second opinion. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe even just to say, well, why don't you think it's a good idea? Maybe they'd say, because you're on immunotherapy. Or maybe exactly. they may you know, offer some advice there. If but they, yeah, otherwise, if it's just their own bias. Right, right. And sure, yeah. Many of us have. I had the bias too, really. Yeah. I was I was right up there with the stigma. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And now- and Just say no, Era. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why you're so profound too, right? Because once you started learning about this, your whole perspective and everything changed. And so we're yes. so happy that you have been with us today. And we would love to have you back on because there's so many more questions um, <laughs> that we have. So maybe- you know, down the line, we can bring you back on for all of our listeners. I love it. Thank you, Janice. I appreciate it. This is wonderful. Thank you. Wow. Was that talk packed full of information? I mean, as a listener, I hope you had a little pen and paper out. Perhaps we probably should have said that in the beginning to take notes. Janice, at least for me, I did not have any understanding of that. All I really know of weed is, hey, let's smoke it, have some fun. But she really broke it down for us. And it, where not to use it, right? Yeah, definitely. Did you ever use? No. And one of the reasons why is because I was never a marijuana user, you know, in my life. I didn't really like it. It wasn't until this cancer journey where I wanted to, you know, start, I, I'm having trouble sleeping with these hot flashes. I don't want to take a prescription medication. I'm SSRI resistant. I can't take, mm. you know, medication that may help, um, you know, the standard treatment of care for, for hot flashes and stuff. Um, you know, we're not becoming Cheech and Chong here, but certainly, you know, there are some things that we can do to support ourselves. And, you know, luckily there are things that are available for people, but as you heard some, it's very difficult for some people in other States. So, you know, I do take the, a gummy to help me sleep you know, usually just during the weekend. Um, of course, healthy things like exercise and working out and all of that kind of stuff absolutely helps as well. But you know, if you're not sleeping for, you know, months on end, it, you, you can become very exasperated. And of course, you know, I've incorporated some other foods into my diet that have helped as well. But every now and then, you know, taking a Delta 9 gummy has been really helpful for me just with sleep. But no, I never, I was never a doobie. I was never into the the, the doobies at all. I never liked it. And it just, it didn't work for me, but this ha is relaxing me to the point of where I can get a very good night's sleep and it's legal. Well, and I think for our listeners, <clears throat> now that you have all this information, you kind of want to start exploring it or see how it may benefit you. You can call Janice or speak with Janice. She does do virtual appointments. We'll put all the information in the podcast, but you can email her at janibuswellness at gmail.com. She also has a website, Janibus Wellness. Dot com, where 
she does sell and dispense. I don't know if dispense is the right word, but where she does sell cannabis. Yeah, she's got tinctures, she's got roll-ons, she's got stuff for the dogs and the cats. She's got all kinds of stuff on her website and she's <laughs> vetted, it, right? Sense. She's an expert in this area. So you you are interested in, in connecting with her and learning more about that. She also has a lot of resources on her website as well that shows a lot of studies. You can get a lot of information. Um, it's a pretty robust website. Yeah. Well, thank you all for listening. And as always, we would love any feedback, ideas, suggestions, Whatever's on your mind, let's hear it. Send it to info at breastcancerunleashed.com. And as always, we ask you to rate and review after you're done listening. Thank you for your time and for your support.